Welcome back to the Team Supreme Podcast. Yes, we are here. We're back. 2019. This is the first of 2019, right? Yeah, man. 2019. We are in the studio, my room, uh, <laughs> the room studio, with uh, me and Preston as usual. But we actually have our third guest. We're just going to do the whole podcast with Mike. Uh, Oh shit! Ooh. PC gang. Yep. Damn, was that what was that noise, bro? Mike is now officially on the PC game and the uh, Android game, I believe. Got a uh, Google Pixel phone. I'm completely Apple free now. Uh, I've received a lot of flack from everyone I'm in group chats with about my <laughs> lack of participation. As you should. The green, and uh, green you text. know what? Good riddance. I don't need any of those group chats. <laughs> so whatever. <laughs> But yeah, man. I mean, before we start fucking around too much, let's introduce. This is Mike. Should I call you Mike Penthouse? Mike Penthouse. Should I call you Poppy? Mike Parvizi, formerly known as Poppy. Hey. Out here. Mm-hmm. Poppy, uh, Mike has been, I mean, if you guys have been following Team Supreme, I'm sure you know who he is. He's uh, on volume one, I believe, yep. oh, yeah. <laughs> of Team yep. Supreme. My first beat was in 3-4. Right. Time signature. And and you made it on the uh, floor of our old apartment when I lived with King Henry. I remember. (laughs) In like 30 minutes, uh, true Team Supreme style. That's right. One shot, one sitting. That's right. Originally, we had the time restriction. 30 minutes. Make a beat in 30 minutes. Get it, baby. Yep. That was back when we were almost about to call Team Supreme Beat Farm. <laughs> I think we've covered Beat Farm on the podcast. We but have. Can you, can you, in case you guys missed that episode, why do we not call it Beat Farm? Um, so we sent out the email with the samples to everyone. The, the email subject header was Beat Farm Volume 1, 100% like fresh made organic beats. Uh, everyone was CC'd. That was a part of it. Uh, everyone was kind of laughing about the name Beat Farm, and then DJ Nobody Elvin, who was uh, on also on Volume One, replied to the email thread something to the effect of, "Y'all cannot call this shit Beat Farm." <laughs> and uh, well, we also we also looked it up, and it already exists, and it's like a hardcore porn site. <laughs> oh, I might have forgot about that. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that. About that. <laughs> I don't know if it still is, but at the time it was like. Graphic. <laughs> Should we check? Oh my lord. <laughs> this is NFS, people. Wait, NSF. Let's check if it's still the same. In case you guys don't know, Mike's actually the other half of Penthouse. Penthouse, our, uh, our little project together. Little, little R&B project. Yes. Dude. And he's actually going to be a part of what we're going to be talking about today, which is uh, something that we're super excited to get going next month. Team Supreme Clinics. But uh, yeah, yeah. You, we're gonna, sorry, have to, was, we're gonna have to get into. I that was in googling Beat Farm. Uh, it looks like it's something more respectable now, but, <laughs> <laughs> but still with that name, it will not be popping. <laughs> it says Beat Farm Adventures Await. Fresh new vibes coming soon. <laughs> I'm actually with that. Yeah, want, it looks just, legit. Just it leave does. that page open and see what happens <laughs> eventually. But yeah, sorry to interrupt. I was just heavy in the beat farm zone. But yeah, penthouse, penthouse. <laughs> how do we not mention that yet? Yeah, I don't think we've really talked about it much. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're still writing stuff as penthouse, penthouse. Uh, I believe our first cipher that we wrote penthouse on was like volume what volume 10 or something like that something like that i think the first one that we really did that became like something permanent was uh volume 14 it was like the oh sheila Ah. samples um and we did we did a one minute beat which eventually became the song ecstasy that was one of the first penthouse like soundcloud 
bangers <laughs> that uh kind of got some traction but uh yeah volume 14 i think that was the first one for penthouse hell yeah way back can you give us like the full mike story because uh i mean you're kind of all over the place you're a part of uh you live with a bunch of producers that we all know and you guys have another project um fuck what's it called the jefferson Jefferson park Park Boys. boys yeah so you have jefferson park boys you've had all your original stuff by yourself and penthouse like can you kind of go from the beginning? Like, that's usually what we ask people on the podcast is like, yeah. tell us where you came from and shit. So, uh, I grew up in the Bay Area, East Bay, um, town called Concord, Wanna Creek, Concord. Um, I used to play in bands. I used to play in the orchestra. I'm a bass player, uh, also a double bass player. Uh, so, my roots are kind of in like punk, jazz, classical, um, had like a formal musical education and then when I was 18 moved to LA got into production for the first time uh, and really before that I had no uh, knowledge of electronic music at all so I was really late to the game actually and I first just picked up Ableton to just try and track like my songs like demos like singer songwriter shit uh, that I was working on, quickly realized like, oh my God, I can do so much more than just track my acoustic ideas. I, I don't even like need a band. I can just make full songs on my laptop. Um, and then eventually in college, I met these guys. I met Dane, I met Preston, King Henry, Jemba, Fuzz, Dot, all of the OG uh, Team Supreme heads um, and uh, continue producing music me and Preston formed Penthouse somewhere around like 2011 or 2012. Um, and more recently, me, Mr. Carmack, and Kenny Siegel formed a project called the Jefferson Park Boys, uh, named because we all live in the neighborhood Jefferson Park over kind of central LA. Um, but uh, Jefferson Park Boys uh, have an album coming out this year. Penthouse, we have some singles, uh, hopefully an EP coming out this year with our friend Heya, who's a Korean vocalist. Um, and yeah, aside from all of my own projects, I've been a music teacher, Ableton teacher for many years. Um, I'm a like an Ableton technician. I've taught many people Ableton how to DJ. Uh, I had the fortune of meeting a lot of my heroes actually through teaching Ableton, like uh, Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, Just recently Mm -hmm. been teaching Travis Barker how to DJ, uh, which has been a total trip because he's like my childhood hero. And uh, I taught him how to use CDJs and I've kind of been going with him to uh, uh, his gigs just to like make sure everything's set up right and um, spending some time with, with Trav, which has been really surreal, super cool and inspiring. Um, so yeah, still out here, still out here doing it. (laughs) That's sick, dude. Do you have, um, usually we try to like leak some shit. So do you have various things you could give us for the podcast? Maybe like to splice in, uh, throughout like Jefferson Park stuff or just demos. Oh yeah. Like just fresh, fresh heaters. Yeah, man. Oh yeah. I got some stuff. We leaked like four hop tracks last week. (laughs) (laughs) See if you guys know what's up then like listen to these podcasts, you'll hear some shit that's like not even out till like two years from now. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, dude, that'd be sick. I've got some, uh, I've got some, some secrets I can definitely share. Hell yeah. Maybe a little sample of you scratching on something. Oh Oh, yeah. I know Mike's killing it. 
on the vinyl. So Thomas has been scratching too, huh? Your whole house yeah. is kind of scratching now. So yeah, uh, in Jefferson Park where I live, uh, Carmack, Saruta, and Prom Night are my three roommates. Very inspiring people to live with. Um, and Saruta and I specifically have been learning how to scratch recently, like uh, just getting our feet wet with turntablism, uh, picking up some tricks from Kenny, who Kenny Siegel, who's an OG uh, drum and bass turntablist back in his you know, like many lives ago, uh, before Team Supreme. Um, we've also studied with Gaslamp Killer, with Will. He's showed us a lot of cool tricks, uh, cool scratches recently. Um, so it's cool living with Saruta because like we literally get up every day, make a pot of coffee and like practice for like two hours and then like, and then go to the gym. And then more recently we've been doing like Muay Thai and martial arts together. <laughs> so like, it's dope. It's like, we're like training buds, like shout out Saruta. Um, damn. When I lived with him, we didn't do any of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know dude. Like we just smoked spliffs and like, <laughs> man. Yeah. didn't talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, like. It's, I don't know what happened. We've just been holding each other accountable, and it's like a lot of very productive uh, shit happens over at the crib, which is good. I feel like 2019 is like a year of like health gains for everyone. I feel like everybody's getting into the health gains right now. Health gains and just like making good decisions, being smart, like, you know, that's been my themes for the new year. Just like getting in shape, like... Um, just trying to not like waste any moment of the day, you know, being productive. So like that's the vibe this year. Productivity at an all-time high. Let's get it. Another thing I noticed that I've I don't know if it's probably not a 2019 thing, but it's just maybe just because our whole friend group is like getting a little bit older and shit is like we all kind of realize how much we need each other and like this weird kind of younger vibe that was kind of like maybe not between us specifically, but in general, like the music industry or just music or just creative field like there's this kind of weird competitiveness that kind of lingers over everybody mm -hmm. and i think that it slows you down honestly like the more we just get rid of that and just help each other and like work with each other and make this podcast and fucking start our own fucking clinics and just do whatever the fuck we want with each other like the world is your oyster like we can do whatever we want you exactly know? it's cool i mean i i feel like all of us can safely say that we, we have the ability to share our secrets or our tools of the trade without any like doubt. Yeah. It's just like, what here, secrets? Take all our, <laughs> take our samples, take all our presets, take all our knowledge, like try to outdo us. Yeah. That's the best <laughs> no, attitude like, to have. And in then this. when someone does outdo you, like not outdo you, but like someone kind of like, like eight effects, someone, someone comes along, up. Sure. some young kid comes along and they're like, have been looking up to us and we had no idea. And then they come in, like, he lives with me now, like, and I'm yep. just like, holy shit, bro. Like, in my opinion, you're outdoing me, like, yep. production-wise. <laughs> yeah. But then it just works. Like, he doesn't even have that competitive. Like, he's just like, nah, like, I'll teach you whatever you want. Like, and you've been helping me, and it's just like a nice, I think it's a good vibe that we're all kind of cultivating. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if you guys can remember, but when Team Supreme first started, like, you know, I guess like seven years ago now, or, or around seven years ago, um... There was a lot of excitement, a lot of energy around the project, but there was also a lot of like, kind of like protective vibes, you know, like where it's like everyone would be really concerned about every like small decision that we're making and who's mm. being billed where on the flyer and like kind of just like a little bit of pettiness. And like, I totally hear what Dane said, like over the years now, like we've all been friends for so many years now and it's become obvious like, yo, we're not going anywhere and like you know our crew is still here 
And there's like, at least for me, I've found in recent years, like a, a newfound like appreciation for like the team mentality and the team mindset and just like sticking together and realizing that like, no matter what happens through everyone's careers, like there's always going to be this crew that like this loose umbrella that we're all united under, which is super dope. Yeah, dude. True that's that. that's a good point. Like we're not going anywhere in terms of like, like let's say, I mean, we already have one friend, Carmack, who's just like astronomically like successful and it's like okay well what does that mean it's like does this person not need friends does this person not want to have like a collective music like group to keep feeding off of like what what is the end goal where we all just like bail on each other <laughs> like yeah. let's not do that yeah <laughs> let's yeah. just blow the blow each other up and then as we blow up and as we all get more successful you know keep feeding back into the team like collective vibe i think that's what we've been doing kind of so it's yeah, so man. true man doing Car it as a crew carmack was just wearing his team supreme uh jacket the other day i i saw it and on his instagram story and like i just thought that's cool you know he's just still like repping it's like he's you know he hasn't done a team supreme beat in like who knows how long like but it's like He's still got the Letterman, like he's still repping, like still he's a support. part of it. Yeah, yeah. he no. just brought you on tour to Europe too. Yeah, we just just out there, dude. How was that? So, Europe was crazy. Uh, it was just me and Carmack, only the two of us traveling together across Europe. Uh, it was his live show, Carmack Live. So he was playing a lot of his new material, which is if you've ever toured before and you're touring on unreleased material. You know how difficult that can be because like your fans want to hear the shit that they know and you want them to hear the new shit and uh, there's kind of a bit of like give and take that needs to happen but Aaron handled it really well he started the set every night with his new stuff played a lot of keys and sang and ended the set on the CDJs DJing like all the old bangers um, but it was dope we were out there for two weeks uh, I was driving us around. I drove like 10,000 kilometers in like 10 days with Aaron. Uh, and we were in a right-hand drive vehicle the whole time, which was really scary driving in like like old town, like Paris. Like, Is that like legal? Can you drive one of them? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know actually. Like, <laughs> I mean, I've heard of people like going over there and like renting cars and shit, so I'm sure it's like We didn't fun, get pulled but... over, so it was all G. But uh, yeah, our first tour date was in London. They drive on the opposite side of the road in London, so their cars are right-hand drive. And uh, that was the only date in the UK. And then we took that car on a ferry into mainland Europe where they drive the same way that Americans do. <laughs> so <laughs> it was weird because the rest of the tour, the right we were driving on the right-hand <laughs> side of the road and I was in, the, in a right-hand drive vehicle on the right-hand side of the road. So <laughs> the whole thing was just a trip and like a whirlwind, but, um, but we crushed it. We didn't miss a single sound check. Um, you know, it was... Like, as many as it was, like, it was super professional. And uh, I think everybody that went to the shows had a good time. I met a lot of really cool people in Europe. Shout out everyone from Copenhagen that I met, the homie Shatterhands. Super dope producer from Copenhagen. He pulled up to the show. He actually opened the show that we played in Denmark and brought little uh, 45 vinyls for me and Carmack um, that he, ha he has vinyls pressed up. Um, but they're really doing something special. There's a super dope music scene in Copenhagen. Look out for the homie Shatterhands. Uh, a lot of dope shit happening in Amsterdam. 
I uh, met a dude named Jell, J-A-E-L, who you guys can check out. He's super dope, very talented DJ and a guitar player. Um, he's friends with Jero Vandal and kind of part of that crew as well. Um, and uh, homies with like people like F FS Green, a lot of really dope musicians in Amsterdam as well. Um, and then the other notable uh, music culture that we visited was Milan, Italy. We met a homie named Marvely. Shout out to Marvely. Um, super dope DJ, kind of like runs the show in Milan. If you're ever in Milan, go peep one of his parties. He DJs uh, under the name, uh, uh, what is it? Like Akeem, oh, Akeem. Akeem Dezamunda, uh, De like from uh, from Welcome to America, the Eddie Murphy movie. That's so like tight. his DJ name, Akeem Dezamunda. So shout out. Um, yeah, sick. Europe was a trip. It was a lot of fun. We've had a lot of people, not, I mean, not a lot, but like I've, every time we post some podcast shit, like we'll get someone like, like much love from Belgium or something. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so like if you guys are out there listening, like those that would probably be applicable. All the stuff you just listed. For know? sure. It went we, over my head, but <laughs> we actually went to Belgium too, me and Carmack. We had like um like no no shade, anyone who's listening from Belgium, but like probably had like the worst show of the tour in Ghent, Belgium. Like it was just like very weird vibes. Like it felt like like it was one of those audiences where um, it's like, you know, people are enjoying themselves, but they're not showing it. Mm. So like the energy cycles back in a weird way from the performer because it's like there was very little like re like reaction happening. And I think the audience was like 95 percent dudes at that show, which like <laughs> kind of always like makes for an interesting vibe, you know, um, especially when I, I start the night off. I was playing funk and soul and just like boogie stuff stuff to dance to and like you know a bunch of just nodding their head. bunch of dudes just like <laughs> it happens boogieing it like happens. it happens though like um <laughs> but uh but yeah for sure there there are team supreme heads out there all around the world far and wide and i had the fortune of meeting many of them on our travels so shouts out if you're out there if you're in ghent shout out you <laughs> like, isn't uh what's his name in belgium um explore that dude beats by explore mm -hmm. i think so <clears throat> do you link up with him there no i got so many dms from producers when we were cruising around in europe that wanted to link and unfortunately i didn't get to meet a lot of them because we were literally in every city for like like 16 hours and then we had to go to bed and do like a 10 hour drive the next day um, yeah, that's the, that's what's like hard about touring is like people want to link and build, and then it's like, dude, I need to no sleep. Time. Yeah, and have to build. The yeah. homies in Denmark after yeah. the show wanted to take us out for like a night on the town, and like we were like literally about to go, and then I was like, "Yo, Carmack, like we can't go out, bro. We gotta, we gotta go sleep, dude. We have to drive to freaking like Hamburg, Germany tomorrow. It's like thousand kilometers, dude. Like." Yeah. We're already drunk. Like we gotta just cut our losses and go to bed, dude. So, <laughs> like that's usually the vibe on a tour, especially a small tour. You know where like one that... like back to back dates too. Yeah, and w one where there's no crew. Like it was the two of us. Like I was the driver. I was kind of tour managing. I was the opening DJ, and then it was just Carmack the headliner. Like there was no crew. There was no like other people to make sure that things were gonna happen. So. Um... So that it was it was a lot of fun overall. It was super dope. One huge lesson I learned, if you are an American musician traveling in Europe and you're bringing equipment with you, 
you should just leave it at home and rent your same keyboards when you get to Europe mm -hmm. because we made the mistake our first show in London of plugging in our 110 volt Nord Electro Ooh. Ooh, ooh. into a 220 volt socket, no, no. frying our fuse, and then fun fact, American size fuses are different than European size uh. fuses. So you can't actually easily buy an American fuse in Europe anywhere. So we were lugging around this busted keyboard and having to rent keyboards in every single city um, the entire tour. Uh, and it was just a huge pain and a big lesson learned that we're just gonna rent the gear like in that continent next time. So pro tips, <laughs> you know, that those rental fees might seem high, but they're a lot higher when you gotta do it like the day of the show, True. like track down like your gear. So fun fact, pro tip. <laughs> Good to know. about is these clinics i know we mentioned them last week or last podcast whenever that was um but now you guys i know you and mike preston and mike um have gone a little farther and you figured out like a little bit more of the details so can you guys talk about that yeah it's gonna be freaking amazing uh we're gonna start doing these team supreme clinics next month on the 10th of february which is a sunday uh it's gonna be basically a five-hour class taught by myself uh dane and mike uh and uh the idea is kind of we'll do a live beat cypher in class um there's a lot more that comes with it as well but uh the location that we're doing this in is amazing it's a place called the dock uh in glendale uh out here in la if you guys want to look it up just go ahead and search the dock.la you'll be able to find all the information for the clinic on there you'll be able to see their studios and kind of get an idea for what the vibe is over there. But it's an amazing creative space. They have a bunch of private studios you can rent to record vocals, they're super dead sound rooms, and then they have um, just this giant common area with a huge projector and an awesome sound system that we're gonna, that we're gonna use to actually teach. Yeah, the dock is super dope. Um, again, like, <laughs> It really, since I started recording at the dock, what I realized is that it's really taken the pressure off of like when you're recording a vocalist and trying to get like a super clean take and like it's not happening at home. Like if you just go to the dock, rent one of the studios and go in the vocal booth, you'll get a dry, tight vocal recording that you can just like effect up in post or whatever. Um, and I I've been telling all my students uh, that they like, I've been recommending going to the dock to track vocals, like, you know, track your demos at home. And then when you're ready to cut a final vocal, like go to a real studio, you know, like take, give yourself as little work to do as possible. Just start with a high quality vocal recording. Um, you could go anywhere, but the dock is, it, their rates are actually like probably the cheapest in town. It, for a, for like a five hour block over there, I think it's $125. 
um, if you aren't using one of their engineers. So um, shout out the doc, the doc.la is their website. Um, Stoke for everyone to to get over there and, and check out the facilities. Is there really... a place, is there anywhere they, like for our Team Supreme Clinics for people to sign up yet or is it coming soon? Yeah, so it'll be on the doc.la. If you guys hop on the site and uh, just go ahead, it, just, just hop right on over there. You'll find it right there. Um, that's where you'll actually be able to buy your tickets. That's when you can reserve a date for wh- whichever uh, month you're going to be doing them. Because this is going to be a, a once a month deal uh, and potentially even more than that. Hell yeah. We'll see how it goes. Take but... this show on the road. Yeah. Oh, and take this show on the road. I think we mentioned about <laughs> no, that. Yeah, yeah. We, already, we already talked about possibly doing tour. this like, with, a, with a Team Supreme tour. And I think that's a fucking awesome idea. Yeah. One thing, too, that I just wanted to like make clear about these workshops is like you know i'm sure a lot of if you're interested in production you've probably been to some type of production or workshop in the past um i know i've been to many and a lot of them tend to be lecture formats you know where it's like one person at the front with their laptop showing like their sessions and everyone's just sitting around these workshops that we're trying to do are geared towards you guys as the producers so everyone is going to be at a table uh, or a desk with your own computers and it's gonna be really interactive. Like you're not just gonna sit there for five hours and hear mm-hmm. us talk at you. Like you're gonna be inter, uh, we're gonna be intersplicing like real work exercises and like cipher exercises. So you'll actually get a chance to produce and it's gonna be a really productive day. If, if you're trying to get sessions started, if you're trying to just like take up some of that hard drive space on your computer, like this is a really good opportunity to break ground on a lot of new projects. So it's not just gonna be us talking at you, like there's, we're gonna be listening to your guys' stuff too. It's gonna be a lot, a lot, uh, focus a lot more focus around the um the students and the producers that attend the workshop so i'm really stoked to get into it hear what yeah. everyone's got mm-hmm. i think it's cool because all three of us have taught at um every school every <laughs> like all the production schools yeah and you know we're not necessarily starting a school yet but <laughs> i think it's cool that like we have we've seen kind of what works and what doesn't work and uh these these workshops are a good start to, you know, maybe a new way for people to start thinking about how to learn yeah. production. I just mm-hmm. saved a ton of money on my music yeah. production bills by switching to Team Supreme <laughs> Clinics. <laughs> no, for real, man. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a good. Uh, I, I would do it. Like I, I spent fucking way too much money on my classical music degree and yeah i'm assuming this is gonna cost like a 20th or a, yeah, a hundredth, a hundredth of that a so if someone would have told me that this is gonna be my career like i didn't know that when i was in music school but i might have just skipped it and, and gone to this shit but i mean you know not that you guys should do that but yeah it's gonna be <laughs> i mean need to. it's gonna be great yeah. i'm so stoked i think it's gonna be amazing for everyone involved um another little fun fact is that at the end of every clinic we're actually planning on having a pass the ox which is something that we've done before at our shows uh but yeah it's gonna be awesome that's simply if you brought something that you've been working on you're gonna be able to play it in front of the class and we can all give each other feedback live in person which um, I honestly think is the best way to learn yeah. <laughs> by doing that. Best way to learn, and honestly for us, best way to like scope out new talent, like up and comers. You know, if you feel like you've been making heat and you haven't really had a chance to like get your shine on, like pull up 
participate in the past the ox like everyone's gonna hear your stuff we're gonna hear your stuff there's gonna be guests there every week uh potentially that are gonna hear your stuff like you guys know who the homies are like we're gonna encourage the homies to all come through there's gonna be yep. lots of ears on your stuff so um don't sleep it's happening february 10th uh and uh it's Limited space, too. Limited space. Get in there. Yes. And if you missed the first one, again, we're going to be doing them monthly. Um, but the first one's going to be special. It's cool to get in at the ground floor. So oh, yeah. don't sleep. Get your tickets. Uh, Feb 10th. The day after, actually, it's the, it's the day after our one-year anniversary of our penthouse full-length album that dropped last year. Dropped February 9th Ooh. on Alpha Pup Records. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> Might even bring like a copy of the penthouse vinyl to get raffle off or give away. Ooh, we're gonna yeah, have, oh, so we're gonna have some nice giveaways. Might have for a little sure. Great Dane vinyl or <laughs> oh, something. Yeah. You know, we're gonna we're we're It'll gonna be, be pulling a, it's up. It's gonna be like a festival, man. It's gonna oh, be yeah. like a cool little like. I mean, just being around all you guys is always fun. Like every time we get together for anything, it's mad inspiring. So mm-hmm. you know, even just for that, I would say it's worth checking out. Like we don't really know the full like what we're gonna charge yet, but I mean, it's it's. I don't know. Like, I've yeah. learned so much just from being around mm-hmm. you guys, and uh, I think I think the students we've had one on one at our various schools um, can vouch for like, you know, how dope these kinds of events can be. For sure. so. Yeah, you'll get your value for sure. You will get it's a it is a high value. Yeah. Package. <laughs> All right. Well, with that fucking commercial, let's uh, wait. Let's, one more let, thing. Okay, okay. If you guys want a little taste of what this place feels like, what the vibe is, we actually put together a little promo video that's coming out on our YouTube channel. You'll be able to find it on our Facebook and on our Twitter, and I'm sure we'll post it a little on Instagram. So watch out for the promo video. You guys will get to see us recording samples at that location and get a little taste for and what the it's next like there. Cypher's samples are going to be from this, right? From Giddy up, baby. <laughs> it's called Giddy uh, up. Synergy. Wait, what's that called? And everything is like, I don't know. Syn- synergy. synergy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's we like got the podcast. That corporate stuff. We got, the, yeah, we, we on, we on this shit. Let's move on. Let's go to the questions. We got a few questions for the podcast. Um, if you guys don't know the email, what is it, Preston? Uh, the <laughs> Team Supreme Podcast at gmail.com. Oh, I think I'm the one who always says it. So I think it's your turn. All right, cool. We got actually a good amount, and a lot of them are like paragraphs. So I'm going to skip around. All right. Fucking paragraphs, man. Yeah. All right. They're out here. No, I appreciate it. Okay, so we got one follow up. Uh, let's, let's go to that second. Look, look um, at that MLA format on that. <laughs> Um, okay, let's go with this one first. This is from Ben. Um, welcome back to the post zone. One question. How do you guys... That sounded like a Tim and yeah, we got That's what this is called now. This is called the post zone. I'm down. Okay. Welcome back to the post zone. One question. How do you guys set up monthly shows? 
I've been trying to do a night on the regular out here in LA and a, and adjacent areas with some IE and local nerds, but it's hard to start that conversation with a venue that doesn't know us. Mm. What should I do to get rolling on that project? Mm. Really good question. Thanks for sharing your insight and introducing all these new artists. Uh, here's a track for good measure. We'll check out the track for sure. Um, yeah, you have any answers? You have- uh, I, I think, well, we kind of figured it out as we went on with Team Supreme shows. We kind of didn't know what we were doing. Uh, probably similar to what you guys are getting at right now. Uh, but we started small. We started at a little venue called La Cita in downtown. Holds probably about 100 people, if that. It was a small, uh, used to be a, a strip club. I think Snoop Dogg recorded a video there. He but <laughs> It's like a little Mexican bar. We started small, you know, and they didn't really know who we were, but they gave us a shot. So we got in there. Started throwing our shows. I think we might have even done them for free, maybe, at the beginning. For very little money. Very, like, very little. Five bucks or something. Yeah. And even when we grew to a point where we could go to a bigger venue, we, were, we weren't charging very much at all for our shows. We never really tried to make a buck on our shows. And I think that early in the process, that's kind of what gave us a lot of momentum. We weren't having to uh, really, like go deep into our pockets yeah. for that stuff. I mean, of stuff. there's 18 people in Team Supreme or something like that. that like, as well. However you split the bag, like, it's going to be small when you <laughs> set it 18 ways. So we all kind of forfeited any type of personal, like, you know, uh, expectation for pay. Um, another tip about booking shows, uh, like Preston said, it's good to start small. Um, if you're, if you are an individual and you walk into a bar and try and talk to the promoter or the talent buyer and you're just one DJ or one dude, they're going to have a hard time trying to figure out like where Mm. to put you. Like they're, they're not going to give you you, your own night. They're probably going to try and fit you on someone else's bill. It's a lot easier to approach situations like that as a team. Mm -hmm. So the deeper that you roll, if you are able to tell the talent buyer, yo, I have a crew, there's 10 of us. Each of us can maybe expect four or five people to come through, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna be more more willing to take a chance on you if you're rolling deep. Like That crew mentality early on will get you f- uh, a lot further than trying to roll solo. Um, the other thing that I can say is that uh, it's wise if, if you already go in there kind of knowing your position, that you're you don't really aren't pulling much leverage you're, you're not pulling that much weight yet ask for an off night ask what the bar has going on on mondays or on tuesdays mm-hmm. our first shows were on tuesday nights at lacita bar which is a totally like it's it's not like a busy night not that many people go out on tuesdays so <laughs> most bars are, are more willing to take a shot on something new on a night like that where they don't already have something lined up mm-hmm. um and there's going to be less pressure for you guys to really like slam it out the first time if you try and go in on an off night to begin so yeah that's a, a little tip those yep. are super super good um mm-hmm. i mean yeah like also just try to like present yourself well you know like i don't know who you are like your what your vibe is but like when you go in there like i, I would say go in in person for mm-hmm. sure and like mm-hmm. try to schmooze a little bit you know like make sure that they know that you are like a level-headed person who has a plan mm-hmm. not just like hey i want to start a night you know like yeah and a lot of that is just is just kind of vibe like the people that are in charge need to like you and mm-hmm. you know all the other stuff goes with that you know like yeah. don't don't look like you just rolled out of like yeah fucking like baseville yeah. Yeah. <laughs> smelling like yeah. a backwoods yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
and 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 hype it too like put some creativity behind it create a world around it you know i think the best nights are the ones where it's like a little slice of uh like just a universe that you get to go to and experience like hip hypnosis is like a whole world in and of itself it is. same thing with like our comfort zone that mike pj and and hood boy and i do it's very curated yeah, and i you think should that have like an, that helps a lot as well if you could really curate it yeah, yeah. think of like an overarching name, idea a, not yeah. just like oh we're gonna throw a dj night like i almost i will get i get offended when like they call it a DJ night because the Echo, like they don't really care. They're like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. you guys are doing really well for a DJ night. And I'm like, it's like, didn't you, didn't you see Wooly Mammoth with like a live drummer <laughs> yeah, last like, month? DJ like, night, like we've had a jazz like set every show. But, yeah. Whatever. I'm not trying to talk shit. Yes. I'm just saying like, I totally understand from their perspective, like we are a DJ night compared to their band nights. We're a DJ yeah. night. Yeah. But you know, I, I think of it way, like I have a way bigger like appreciation for what we're trying to do. And mm-hmm. you should go in with that, like that level of, like we have this idea and we're gonna we want to do this, and more than just like oh we have some friends that are DJs we want to DJ you mm-hmm. know? Like, for yeah. sure yeah 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 it's um it's it's hard to get started honestly um something else that can help you out is uh, if if you are able to get a show um it's worth investing in a dope logo or like some type of template for your flyer like the visual aspect for promotion like. It, it goes a long way and I'm mm-hmm. just now realizing that like now like mm-hmm. years later you know mm-hmm. like uh, it's little things like when you go to promote your event tag the venue like mm-hmm. like make sure they see you promoting the show and putting in the effort mm-hmm. like that these things go a long way even if your night like the first one doesn't pop off that much like the effort was there yep um, and that that goes a long way you know um so print flyers print flyers get out there at the show have flyers for the next show ready to go (laughs) yeah be ready to hand them out at the show that you're currently at try to get them all booked in advance have have somebody to run sound and make sure that the artists are up there when they're ready to play try to make this thing as seamless as possible for sure it's a lot of work but I think you're going to learn a lot by just running it. <laughs> Run it. We're, we're still learning too. We, sure. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, that's the, the like, I guess your question is kind of like how to even get them to say yes. And mm, I think mm-hmm. the first things you guys said is very yeah. um, helpful. Like find somewhere small, mm-hmm. present yourself well. Yep. And I mean, we still get, I, when we threw hypnosis, we, we got turned down from other venues too. Like mm-hmm. it's not like a easy, like even like at our you know, whatever level or whatever, like people still, it's still a vibe thing. They have to really believe in like, want to take a shot on you. Yep. I mean, with the Echo, it's a little different because it's like bigger and it's like, I mean, it's, they, they knew us from Team Supreme and shit. So we had like a history with them. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Like, don't be afraid to be honest. Like if you go in there and say, look, like we're just getting started. We're each expecting a handful of homies to come through. Like that's honesty. Like don't go in there like you know big talk. Like yeah, we're we're expecting like five hundred people to come through. Like that reflects poorly if they do give you a shot and there's it's totally underwhelming. Like you know it's good to understand that the first people that are always gonna come to your shows are your immediate friends and your family and like not like these like nondescript like anonymous fans out there mm-hmm. like the first people that are at everything are always your close friends and your family first people that are going to listen to your first releases are your friends and your family mm-hmm. and they're going to be your fan base until like people catch on you know mm-hmm. uh, and there's nothing wrong with that because those are your ride or dies those are the people that will will be there years later uh with you still so 
Um, yes, Res shout out, respect your friends and family, invite them, make sure they feel included and comfortable. Yee. Invite your mom. <laughs> 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 all right, cool. Um, all right, let's move on. We got a response from Bastion. I don't know if you guys remember last, last podcast. Um, Bastion sent us an email about basically just asking lots of questions relating to how to make income. And uh, we didn't really like, we, I didn't roast him, but I kind of just, I told them my honest opinion, which was that, um, you know, we get a lot of, when we were teaching, when I was teaching at Icon, um, a lot of times the people that have lots and lots of questions about like specific money things um, usually need to take a, like a, take a step back and like work on their craft first. Because um, I feel like For the people sure. that are like always like super, super dope, like right off the bat, dope producers never ask about money mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. So you know, basically, we sh we asked you to respond, like give us another, give us uh, a chance to look at who you are before we can like before. I felt like I felt bad for like <laughs> I don't even know what you sound like. I don't know. So basically, you did that and you sent us a response. It's kind of long. I'm gonna just skim through it. Uh, we did listen to your SoundCloud, so I'll I'll got some heat. Yeah. yeah, you got some heat. Let's 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 read just like a second. Let me see if I can read through this. Uh, hey, Preston and Dane. Thanks for your answers. You gave me some really helpful tips and insight, but I think you also got the wrong impression of me and my motivation for asking those questions. I'm no music student wondering how to become Calvin Harris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 23, working freelance film, TV production while pursuing my passion for music, so I'm definitely not approaching music with a 9-to-5 mentality. <clears throat> I was just looking for advice on how to start turning music into a career as opposed to an expensive and time-consuming hobby. You feel... I feel. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, now we get. To, now we know who you are a little bit more. Yeah, that helps. Um, so where am I? Oh, you guys are living that life slash grind. So I figured you could provide some practical career advice to producers like me who are still focused on honing the craft, but also starting to wonder what comes next. I thought that would be a helpful topic for your listeners. That's all. No disrespect taken, though. I totally get where you guys are coming from, and I appreciate you keeping it real. Just had to clarify, I'm not in it for the, I'm not a in, in it for the money guy. All right, cool. Nice. Cool. Homie. So you clarified. Thank you. You know, mm -hmm. I'm sorry if I came off rude. I just, I need to know more. I need yeah. more information. Um, cool. Uh, and then he sent us his links. Uh, recently, I've been trying to collab with vocalists and rappers in order to reach more listeners and challenge myself to grow as a producer. I thought your advice about linking with undiscovered talent was on point. And with that in mind, I'd love to get your feedback on this beat I'm working on. You guys keep you ear keep our ear pretty close to the ground. Nice. Keep our nice. <laughs> sorry. I'm like, we do. My mind yeah. is like deteriorating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So thanks, guys, and sorry for the long email, Bastion. All right, cool, man. Well, we listen to your stuff. I mean, we already listened to the stuff before we pressed record on the podcast. So I would just say, you know, keep grinding at it, like. My personal answer to your question about how to make money with this stuff is like my first answer would be not through a rapper. Like that's going to take you probably the longest to mm -hmm. make money out, out of anything you can do in music. Making beats for a rapper will probably take you the longest to make money from. Um, but that's my own like personal story. Like I said, like I haven't done it that much. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot more money to be made along the way yeah. in smaller ways. Like, you know, the last question we just had, like, start your own little show. Like, mm -hmm. that you can make money mm -hmm. off of as soon as you start doing it. Yep. Um, you might not be that much, but... Mm -hmm. One thing, too, um, like, uh, it, I think there's a difference, just like Bastion was saying, like, you know, people that are 
just in it like literally to make a dollar um and people that are trying to break into the next kind of like uh level or whatever i had a student i won't like say who but he would constantly refer to his music as his product mm. and i don't know why that was super triggering for me and like <laughs> one time I, I didn't snap but like i was just like yo man like you gotta stop referring to your music as your product like that's gonna give you like the wrong approach. Like you're gonna approach it differently if you're just off top considering it a product. Mm -hmm. um, kind of what Dane was saying, like just focusing on the craft itself when you're getting started is the way to go. That trumps anything else that you could possibly do because when you're making dope stuff, everything is gonna find you. Like it, it not everything, but like opportunities are gonna seek you out versus yeah. the other way around. Um, one thing that I think hasn't been touched on yet in this conversation uh, about music and money uh, that I think is is pretty relevant is uh, while you're working on your craft, while you're honing your craft, making a ton of beats, it's cool to kind of have an understanding about how the back end of your music works. And what I mean by that is like ASCAP, um, like your, your PRO, your performance rights organization, royalties, how all of these things pay out and making sure you keep all your ducks in a row will keep you like way ahead of the curve. Because then if, if and when something does happen, your whole back end is already situated. Uh, I won't go into the details about ASCAP, BMI, like, you know, Spotify royalties. We, we might touch on that at a future workshop mm -hmm. or future podcast. Um, but uh, but basically, like I know artists of all calibers who uh, there's literally money out there that they earned that they haven't collected and they don't know how to collect. <laughs> artists that have gotten millions of Spotify plays, millions of downloads, they've monetized their music and they haven't actually collected the money yet because they don't know how. So making sure you understand all of the aspects of uh, you know digital releases and where to expect what types of your income. Mm -hmm. Those are really good ways where you know you can just set up your account so that when something does happen, it's like the floodgates are already open. You don't have to go and do a bunch of like detective work to try and figure out where your money is like mm -hmm. all of us i've had to do at some point um but yeah make sure making sure your back ends in order is super important like just under having a little bit of understanding about like the different types of royalties and publishing um it's not going to be a lot of money when you first get started uh even once you the money starts coming in it grows slowly over time royalties and publishing it's those are like long-term investments and the mm -hmm. bigger your catalog gets the bigger that those royalty amounts are going to get every month it's going to be a sl it's a slow road to build that up but like any like you guys can both probably like vouch that like that's that's how it happens like and it happens yeah. all of a sudden yeah where you just start getting those quarterly like ASCAP checks and you're like damn yeah like my my shit's like generating a little bit of traction now like yeah. seven mm -hmm. years later <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> It's so true. Yeah, like Mike said, it could just happen out of nowhere. So you can't really have too high of expectations. You, all you can really do is take calculated risks, you know, because you, you could, it could be seven years before that thing takes off. It could be tomorrow. Like, who knows? Like, you got to be ready to like shift gears. You got to be ready to kind of move in every direction possible to get to where you need to go. So, yeah, I think that's great advice, man. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, cool. Let's, let's go to the next one. Um, <clears throat> this might be the first time we have too many questions to answer on the podcast. This is this is the dream, man. Tight. <laughs> this is uh, this. I mean, usually we get through like all of them because it's you know whatever. But uh, it seems like more people are listening. That's so that's, dope. that's awesome. Um, okay, so if we don't answer yours uh, this time, we might need to do it later if we don't have enough questions for the next yeah. one. But uh, yeah, sorry if we if we skip yours. Anyways, uh, from found some. It's, I think that's the artist name. Found some. Found some. Tight. I like the double name vibe. <laughs> oh, he said he signed it at the bottom. David. <laughs> We're not saying last names, but he's from <laughs> David. Okay. Uh, hello. Love your team's music production. Been following you guys for years, and I had a chance to see Grey Dane twice last year. Oh, Ooh. she. She. All right. Uh, I have a friend who has a bachelor's in music composition and has been ri- writing, producing melodic dubstep. He has a great collection of music, but I'm wondering what kind of direction should he pursue next in order to get paid in the music Ah. scene. (laughs) I know it's a vague question, but maybe you can answer it by explaining. I mean, yeah. How you explaining how you went from producing beats in your living room to holding down a stage at a festival. Happy New Year's from David. Yo, I mean, we kind of answered it. So should we move on? I mean, focus on the I'll say one thing. Focus on the craft. Also, like I have literally, like Preston and I both, we used to be in a band called Virtual Boy with King Henry. We were working on a Virtual Boy record many years ago, simultaneously in the same building, Great Dane was upstairs making his first beat ever and like (laughs) dropping in on the studio to show us what he was working on. I've like me and Preston have literally seen Dane go from, from day one starting production into headliner like artist so it's been it's and and it's been a long road and i'll tell you that one thing that dane has never thought about is like the genre of music that he's producing that's true um as soon as like there is a genre like being thrust upon me i try to do something that's not that genre. yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. like dane is a great example of an artist that has defined his own sound. And I always mention that in like my classes actually. Like I didn't even told you that, Dane, but like when Thank when you. I talk about learning how to define your sound, I think of a few people off the top of my head. Carmack, Saruta, Great Dane, just to name a few. But like if if you have never listened to these these artists' catalogs, they really have a way of defining their own sound that's independent of any specific genre but still draws influence from many different genres Mm -hmm. so um my advice for your friend is like i mean as far as like the the money is concerned um there's always going to be like quick immediate money to be made in very genre specific things like there will be an artist like a lineup that's looking for a dubstep dj or there's like a compilation that's looking for this type of a sound. Um, but And it's cool to take advantage of those opportunities, but don't pigeonhole yourself mm-hmm. within one genre. That's going to limit your growth over time. Um, and it, it's cool to use the framework of genres to kind of inform what you're doing, but just don't get entrapped mm-hmm. by the framework of whatever genre you're trying to, you're trying to make. Like... Uh, there's, you know, things are cool this year that are not going to be cool next year. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to be someone who's thrown all your eggs in this basket and then there's no work left for that type of music anymore come 2020 yeah. next year. So um, just advice for your homie, you know, spread out your 
inspiration. You don't be scared to get weird. Uh, and if you're interested in melodic dubstep, find ways that you can subvert that genre and use cues from that to make your own thing. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. just a little piece of uh, advice. No, you're right. You're right. That's yeah, super helpful advice. I think anytime someone throws out a name of like like melodic dubstep, like. I feel the same way. I just get a little bit triggered. I feel, <laughs> I feel old in class when my students are like saying these genres that I've honestly never heard of. Uh, and I'm well, like, like... The thing that everyone calls me now is halftime. Like, oh, you're a halftime artist. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> I have no idea what that is. <laughs> also, that's like inaccurate. It is. It's like, okay, what about like tamale? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, nah. yeah. I guess that's kind of half. It's like drops. I mean... Things that have drops. I don't know. Or like, like fuck a genre, bro. <laughs> fuck a genre. Yeah. yeah. Let's get through two more real quick. Two more questions. Um, okay, from Johnny. Hello, thanks for doing these podcasts. Sorry my voice is like fucked up today. I don't know what's wrong with me. But uh, <clears throat> yo, hello, thanks for doing these podcasts. I love hearing from some of my favorite artists. I have two questions. How do you go about maintaining a similar loudness between songs? Mm. How do you stay consistent? That's one question. Right. You tricked me. You got two questions in your first question. There's four questions, actually. <laughs> okay, number two. How do you go about mastering songs for an EP? Do you master all songs in one session or individually? So These first, are good questions. Yeah, these oh, are good yeah. questions. And they relate to each other. First one. Okay, number one. How do you go about maintaining a similar loudness between songs? How do you stay consistent? I, I mean, for myself, I, I think something that helps is like if I'm making an EP, if we're thinking about that, each one of those songs on the EP are going to be utilizing a lot of the same elements. If not, like literally, like the drums might be the same on all the tracks on the EP, you know, or very similar. So it, the sound palette stays consistent, you know, and I think that's easier to make everything gel, everything have the same amount of hit, strike, force, volume, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's it's a matter of kind of really curating your sound. And I think if you're trying to write an EP or an album, just keeping everything in that similar world, using all of the same sounds and forcing yourself not to just pull random things willy-nilly, um, less is more, I think, sometimes. And I think that could help with making sure that everything hits at the same sort of yeah, gusto. I like that answer because it's like, Sometimes it's not about what you do on the mastering. It's mm -hmm. like it's about like the mix and like how like you've orchestrated your song. Um, like Preston and I, we use a lot of the 505 drum kit or like the Lin drum kit. Like we use like really funky kind of OG like drum machine sounds. 
And uh, sometimes very late in the production process, we'll go swap a whole drum kit out and then like make, create the final bounce. Like in the last minute, we'll change all of the drums. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and that's how we get the, the sound palette to stick together uh, when we master it is that like we've utilized the same elements. That's, that's a really like insightful tip. Um, there's one technical tip that I can uh, put forth for all of my audiophile like nerds out there. Uh, there's something called, uh, it's a unit of sound measurements called LUFS. You guys know about LUFS, mm -hmm. L-U-F-S? Perceived loudness. Uh, yeah, yeah LUFS has to do with the perceived loudness of your track. And when you master a song, typically you're looking at the gain reduction on the limiter. So you're trying to figure out like how loud your loudest peaks are. And you, you want to like make sure that across the board of your whole project that, you know, you have a similar uh, peak level, I guess, or gain reduction level across each song. Uh, but even if you do that, the perceived loudness of your track might vary from, from track to track. So something really helpful that I've just started to do recently is I'm using a LUFS meter to monitor momentary loudness on the master channel. Um, and LUFS is kind of a similar uh, thing as, as, it's not similar to decibels, but like it's measured in like negative values. So a commercial audio song is typically between negative 11 to negative eight loofs. That's like the loudness. Negative eight being louder, negative 11 being quieter. Um, you can drop a loofs meter on your track, just loop up the loudest part a few times and check out that loudness reading. Um, because you might be limiting your songs the same, but you might actually need to push certain songs harder or softer to make sure that your perceived loudness is uniform across the whole project. Mm -hmm. uh, shout out Edit from the Glitch Mob <laughs> for parting me with that wisdom. Nice. Um, Ed gets up to like minus five loops on Jesus. the Glitch Mob uh, uh, mix downs. So he really is like slamming the shit out of out of that <laughs> shit. He's getting it very very loud. Uh, and if you if you've ever listened to Glitch Mob, you can attest um, that shit's loud. <laughs> so yeah, um, man. I mean, dude, I I don't know. Like I'm I'm always experimenting. I don't like everything I've done. I mean, most of my all my albums have been Daddy Kev masters, but mm -hmm. I've recently started being able to like sort of master my shit and like. I'm still experimenting. So like every time, like this next EP, I don't, I think I'm going to have, I think I'm going to have someone else master it. Um, it's always good to do that just but, to get other ears on mm -hmm. it too. Yeah. But I, I, I don't even like, it's already, it's, this is the first project I've ever done where like, I don't need the mastering guy to make it louder. Mm -hmm. Like I made it really loud, but I need them to like to do whatever magic they need to do. <laughs> All the shit that Mike just said that I didn't understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They got to do that shit. <laughs> Loudness yeah. is in everything too. You know, I remember yeah. Dane, when you started to play low in theory in the early days, I remember you would just drop like unmastered tracks. They sound banging. They sound yeah. better than master tracks at low in theory. Yeah. I still hold that if like the belief. The system's good. Yeah. The unmastered tracks slap harder on those. That's sometimes, what I, I told Hoppa that. Cause he was like, he was stuff. like worried about, he's like, dude, like, do you drop those tracks again? Because he gave me the ones for the podcast. And I was like, yeah, like I'll put them in all my fucking sets. He's like, but they're not master. I'm like, dude, there's a trim knob. Just turn it yeah. yeah. <laughs> this Dog, I master it on stage, bro. It, literally, that's what's it's happening. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I'll, I'll say too real quick. Um, our, our last album, the last penthouse record, Cruise Control, uh, it came out on Alpha Pup Records. So it was mastered by Daddy Kev. And... Uh, I'm a big believer that it's not so much what you do on the master bus, it's about the mix down. Yeah. If you get a really clean, good mix down that you're happy with and you're happy with how your song is hitting pre-mastering, 
it's gonna sound good when you put the limiter on and you might not even need much else. In fact, I hold the belief that it's actually easier to make your track sound worse mm -hmm. if you try and do crazy advanced mastering techniques mm -hmm. that you don't fully understand, like stereo imaging and like uh, like sound exciters mm -hmm. and like multi-band compression. You can make your track sound worse than just with a simple limiter. Mm -hmm. um, but with our last album, we mixed it down probably over the course of like three or four months. And then we mastered it with Daddy Kev in like 90 minutes. Yeah. And it's a 45 minute album. So literally like <laughs> yeah. we did, like Kev did the final masters of that record super quick because our mix downs were so tight and clean. All he had to do, he used a limiter, some type of software limiter, and he used a Brainworks EQ, I believe, yep. just to get out some of those kind of around 5K usually is where a lot of like harsh frequencies stack on top of each other. So I noticed him dipping out around like 5K, like a little bell um, cut uh, around five kilohertz on the master just to kind of ease the way that it hits your ears like in the in the cans. Um, but yeah, usually like when every project that I've done typically gets mastered in one sitting or by one person. Um, the upload EP was different. We were working with a mastering engineer and he actually, um, he had some personal issues and couldn't finish mastering it. And we had to master two of the songs ourselves. Uh, so we just used his as a reference and tried to replicate. Um, but the, I guess the last tip with mastering, final <laughs> tip is just uh, like it's worth investing or however you obtain it. Just get a dope limiter. Don't use Ableton's stock limiter for mm. your mastering limiter. No. That limiter is designed to catch peaks. When you really ride the gain on Ableton's limiter and you're pushing it and you're constantly gain reducing, it's not gonna expand the sound. It's actually gonna give you a slight high cut and it's gonna sound like worse than your pre-master. So like it's worth getting a dope, limit, uh, dope limiter for You know mastering. what my joke about that is? <laughs> The, the the secret Ableton saturator, it's the limiter. <laughs> That's really funny. Best saturator in the game. All the dubstep kids use the Ableton limiter as a saturator for distortion. Just like put the ceiling down and gain it. That's, That's what it do. That's don't throw it on the mask. <laughs> the uh, the frequency shifter also has a drive component oh. that you can use independently. So. No. Don't tell him. I, oh, too <laughs> late. <laughs> Wait, say that again? Nope, nope, it's done. I was reading the next question. You're going to have to wind that back. <laughs> uh, I might have to do Oh, we just got another question. All right. Um, okay, let's do one more. Maybe the one that just came in. Maybe we'll save it for next week. Okay, this might trigger you, Mike. <laughs> one last thing. Oh, wait, is this the same guy? No, no, no. This is... Oh, oh. it's a two-part question. Okay. MLA format. I produce... <laughs> uh, okay. Should we read the second? Let's, okay, this is the first one. Okay, uh, from Oriof. My producer name. Okay, my producer name is Ori. Oreo without the O. It's actually not a producer name, but my real one. LOL. Yo, longtime fan of TS. I've been producing for over three years. I'm pretty comfortable in my craft and workflow. I'm uh, stilling, learning new things but i no longer feel like i'm lost and starting to enjoy the music i make yeah nice it's a good place to be uh, i've recently decided to release an ep to earmark my journey in music so far it's a good way to think about it uh, it's more on the conceptual side and i'm really excited i'm really excited but i was wondering as producers who've released multiple eps and albums what was the process like for you any tips and advice and how did you decide what songs would make the cut 
Also, mm-hmm. I'm confused if I should mix and master myself or have outside help. I know enough to do it, but I don't do it justice. Uh, but I'm also a broke college broke who can't <laughs> a broke college broke who can't afford outside help right now. Thanks. Sorry for the long email. All right, cool. I mean, nice. I guess my answer would be um, the first thing you said is the right answer is I've released, recently decided to release an EP to earmark my journey in music so far. That's how I would look at all of your releases going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I look at my current releases still because you don't know what's going to come next. You don't know how good you're going to get or if you're going to fall off a bridge tomorrow. So, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> like, so true. That's exactly why you should do it. Um, and in terms of what makes the cut, you know, I would say the ones that stick with you, the ones that like mm-hmm. you personally jam to, like you like over time, they don't feel like they're getting stale. Those are the ones that should make the cut. Yeah, I really think that when you're putting a project together, it's not so much like you decide what tracks go on it. Like the project decides for you. Mm -hmm. Like if you get even just two songs that you think sound good together, that's your anchor for the project. And everything else can kind of fit around those two tracks conceptually. Like you you might even have more than that, but all you really need is two songs that sit next to, to one another to start thinking about a project. And uh, the more tracks that you're working on, the better. Mm -hmm. Because the more ideas you have sitting on your computer, it's going to become pretty obvious which ones not only sound good together, but which ones are worth finishing and the most interesting. Like, if you only have four songs on your computer, there's a very low chance that that's your EP. (laughs) You got to whittle it down. You got to start Mm -hmm. from like a bigger piece of material and whittle it down into your project. And best way to do that is just make a shit ton of beats. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I always tell people, um, put it on your phone too. Like you can use the Dropbox app. Like at this point it's like ancient technology, but you can put it in iTunes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, I always put my shit like unfinished beats on my phone because I can, I can listen on my headphones when I'm at the gym. I can drive around with it. And you can think of it in a different way than if you're staring at your computer. So mm-hmm. if you feel like your stuff's getting close and you have like 10 tracks and you want to whittle it down, put all 10 on your phone. See which ones you consistently skip because you don't want to fuck with them. You're like, ah, <laughs> yeah. this one's all right, but I don't want to listen right now. Oh That's the one you cut. <laughs> yep. If you're like, no, I'm not in the mood for this and you like usually skip it, cut that one. Because not everything needs to get heard, man. Yeah, like, yeah. I have plenty of songs that are never going to get heard. Or you know? you're listening and you realize, like, damn, this intro is way too long. I'm bored. Yeah. I made this shit. Yep. Like, yeah. I got to cut this intro down. Goodbye. That's the best way to, like, move from the production phase into, like, the release phase is kind of start to think of it from the listener point of view. Like, if this was somebody else's EP, mm-hmm. how long how long of this intro would you, until you would skip it? You know, like, how long yeah. would I let this intro go till I skip it? Mm-hmm. And that'll kind of help you, like be a little more cutthroat with like what you put on your shit like yeah. on your releases. And at some point I'd say like take a day off or two and then come back and listen to the whole thing all the way through from start to finish. It just give yourself a little time off before you do it, but come back with a fresh set of ears and listen all the way through. Yeah, for sure. And, and also if you have the artwork or you have somewhat of an idea for the artwork like on iTunes you can you can I think it has to be MP3s, but you can have it all looking exactly like it would look mm-hmm. on Spotify and mm-hmm. shit. You can bounce like, MP3s from Live 10 now, too. Yeah. You got Live can 10. You? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. fuck. Yeah. Yep, yep. For sure. But yeah, that's how I look at my stuff right before I drop it. Like, I'll have, like, for Gamma Ray, like, I had it on my phone with the Stingray. All that shit was ready to go. And I was, like, slowly kind of, like, putting it together in my mind, like, which songs I would mm-hmm. cut which stuff was running too long. Where an interlude might go. Yeah. And then like looking at the artwork, like it all started to feel like, 
it's kind of exciting. It's like a little present. It's like, wow, this is going to be like public at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, right uh, now it's just mine, you know. Like, mm-hmm. Another really dope thing that uh, helps me and like me and Preston will will try and do this too. I'll do this on the beats I make myself, but like very early on, I'll give a beat a name. Yeah. Like if you if you start naming your projects mm-hmm. really flowery, like interesting, like fun, silly names, they start to take on like a life of their own. Mm-hmm. And then when you see all those names in a list next to each other in a playlist, it starts to feel like an album. And, and you might even find like these random ideas that you've named. There starts to be like continuity in, in the names mm-hmm. like that you didn't even plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, like and it's more I, honest, too, because like as you write them you're thinking of some random like thing that's you think is random, but it's mm-hmm. like some deep subconscious thing. Yeah, and then, like yeah. all the names start to make sense. Like you know? Dane's got to be called like, sorry, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I don't even know if that's about like the Steve that we all know. Or, like, which Steve? Like... Well, see that one was a double, a double entendre because we have that connection. Right. And I feel like I was always like needing to apologize, but I always also, thought it was that like, it is. Yeah. Well, honestly, it's that for the homies, but also like the easy, like funny joke about it is it's a stingray that says sorry Steve. oh <laughs> shit that's but that's I the maniest thing I've, I've heard this year crikey that's crazy <laughs> crikey a lot of people got it like I mean not the other one not the Steve yeah. our Steve one but Steve got it like our Steve got he's like first thing he said after we, I dropped that he's like Yo, is that track named after me? And I was like, No, no, it's the it's the Stingray, dude. It's the... that's crazy. But then I told him bro. like I got a little drunk, and I was like, Yeah, it's like kind of about you. <laughs> You're like, Yeah, but by the way, sorry, bro. I mean, like, I mean, it's an applicable like I got like a C minus in his production class, so it's like sorry, like I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's hella funny, yeah. dude. And then we'll wrap it up. Uh, from Chris. Oh my God, long he just sent it. <laughs> He's just sent like it. sliding in. Right. Chris got in right under the yeah. mark. Okay. Uh, hey guys, I'm a big Team Supreme fan since the early days. I've got one kind of long question for you. Okay. <laughs> I've been making music for ten years and electronic music for five years now. I'm also finishing a degree in audio engineering next year from a great music school. I say all this to say I feel like my music is good enough mix-wise and musically, but I'm not sure where to start to building a fan base. I barely get any plays on my old music, but I'm about to drop a lot of new music and I'm sitting on 12-ish songs I'm going to drop in a series of three EPs. Where do I start to promote my music if I can't currently play shows in a big city because of college, in quotes, or in whatever, parentheses. Uh, do I need to be in LA and play shows or is there a way I can still be working towards my goal with the internet? Yes. The answer is yes. The internet. <laughs> uh, it feels like it used to be easier when SoundCloud was more active. I used to get hundreds of listens on my old stuff and now I barely get any. Should I reach out to producers and ask them to listen to my stuff? Should I pay for playlists or blog placements? No. <laughs> I'm working on high quality YouTube videos and Instagram content, but other than that, uh, I'm new to self-promotion and the management side of artistry. 
Thanks in advance for your responses. Yeah, that's like the biggest question all these people have and like that we also have is just mm -hmm. how do you get people to like give a shit? And I think just think of it like practically. Think about like the artists that you look at, like go follow all the people that, I mean, you like, you listen to us obviously and like we're not, I'm not that good at it either. I'm just, I focus on the craft 90% of the time yeah. and then I try to think of creative ways to present things because at the end of the day, it's all art and mm -hmm. it's not like, even if, like, I've had shit where I felt like it was the best shit I've ever made that got, like, way less plays than some shit yep. that took me, like, two mm -hmm. seconds that is arguably much worse. Same <laughs> oh, same. Oh, so yeah, for sure. It's a constant grind in terms of, like, how do you get people to give a shit? And mm -hmm. I think it goes much bigger. It's much farther than just the music itself. It's, like, how do you get people to give a shit about anything? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I have a word that, like, whenever this type of question uh, comes to me, I bring up this word, intrigue. So like, as an artist, your job is not just to mindlessly promote yourself, right? How many DJs can you think of? Like, if like I scroll through my Instagram feed now, like I don't even follow a single EDM DJ and every other post is a promoted ad yeah. from an EDM DJ right before the drop, standing up on their table yeah. and then like the drop and then like links to link, ticket link to their show at the Belasco next month. <laughs> like that's like every other post in my feed. There's no intrigue there for me. Mm -hmm. Like that's why that type of post is being promoted in my feed. If you're an artist and you're able to create a sense of intrigue around what you're doing, there's less of a need to promote yourself because people are like more interested in finding out what you're about. For example, I'll dis I'll divulge some secret information right now on the podcast that you only hear on the Team Supreme podcast. If you go listen to the Penthouse album, there's a featured singer, Tony Larchmont. Tony is actually me. <laughs> so your boy. I didn't want people to know that I am singing on the record. So what did I do? I create me and Preston, we kind of like uh, conceptualize this character named Tony Larchmont. He's like got a false backstory. Um, eventually I plan on putting out more music under that name and you know, really building this character up. Uh, giving him a whole like false backstory. Um, but the whole reason being is that like it's an opportunity for me to just create intrigue and like mm -hmm. step out of myself and step out of my situation. Like art is honest, but it doesn't mean that you have to just get up there like under your own birth name and just show people what you do and just like, you know, just take a photo in front, like crouching in front of a forest. Like you can create more intrigue than what everyone else is doing. Great ways to do that, you know, aliases, like, um, you know, interesting like website related content where you can, you can like land listeners on an, in, like a, a page that has like, you know, backstory information or artwork related to the project. I really think though that beyond just music and promotion mm -hmm. and this like, Finding ways to just create intrigue is super yeah, important. Yeah. However you might do that. Yeah. Also, I would say stay on top of like the current day, uh, like what is the thing people are listening on. And I think you touched on it, right, in your in your email that SoundCloud is not the place. Like it's sort of the place, but it's not like it was. Yeah, we see it too. Yeah, and that yeah. doesn't mean that, oh, like no one listens to music anymore. It means they're listening somewhere else. So yeah. get your shit on Spotify. It's really not yep. that hard. Like if you, yep. I mean, it seems like you have 10 years of music experience. It seems like your stuff's probably like at least good enough that mm -hmm. you can get it on Spotify and shit. Like, I mean, you could get like, Foley sounds on yeah. Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like just pay attention to like the current climate. Like SoundCloud is not my fucking ride or die anymore. Like I used to like 
only give a shit about SoundCloud. Yeah, but and guess what? All those millions of plays from SoundCloud, all 100% not monetized. <laughs> yeah. Like, no one's getting paid for that shit. Like, yeah. Like, no, but, like, my, my Spotify, I think, is, like, more cracking than my spot than my my soundcloud these days because like larger audience where it it's is. just like that's i mean it's just it's just where people are listening right yep. now you know so don't yep. don't take it too personally like i, I really stopped giving a shit about yep. a play count on on soundcloud For like sure. yeah. i used to care way too much about For that sure. shit one big but thing too you, also if you think about that shit too much your music will suffer because you're just going to be comparing yourself to someone that you think is like like getting so much plays and like, well, I'm going to sound more like that. I'm going to sell out a little bit more. And the more you fucking go down that rabbit hole, you're just going to be like this fucking like play count whore. And you don't want to do that shit. Like I don't see where, I don't see that leading to like a happy life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'd rather real. have a body of work that I totally believe in that yeah. wasn't really based on play count on SoundCloud. Yep. You know? No like, shade to the yeah. homies that just constantly post their like statistical achievements across <laughs> social media, but like kind of shade. Cause like no one gives a shit about that. Like, I mean, I mean, I think it's like, it's, it's nice to be proud of like what you've done and like whatever, like it's fine. I think, if you're getting lots of love and like you want to be like shout out to your fans, like that's fucking cool. Yeah, but, you can do like one or two a year, but like, <laughs> dude, like that, come on, fam. That one day where Spotify <laughs> did it, that was that was a fucking apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Spotify day. Oh my god, that's insane. That yeah. was. <laughs> That was but that's times. more on Spotify. I think they knew that was going to happen and they, they yeah. sent those emails out. <laughs> I just had one other tip for homie too. Um, just as far as like getting yourself out there, promoting yourself when the time comes, don't be scared to send artists that you respect your finished product before mm-hmm. you release it yourself. Uh, people have this assumption that like if someone has like more like influence than you or whatever that if they're if they're listening to your stuff or if they're putting out your music on their label that they're doing you a favor that's not true they're not doing you any type of favor because every artist that has their own label their own blog their own radio show they need fresh content Mm -hmm. and like underappreciated artists are the greatest source for Mm -hmm. like radio show content playlist content like putting music out on your label Pretty much every artist that I'm I'm friends with that I respect, they have their own institution. Like Team Supreme, we have the ciphers, we have the podcasts. Toki Monster has Young Art Records. Zed's Dead has their own record label. Mm-hmm. The Glitch Mob has their own record label. Um, the list goes on. These guys are not uh, they're not doing you a favor if they're listening to your music as a submission. Like you're doing them a favor by even sending it because like like shows and and labels need content to to perpetuate like mm-hmm. they they feed off of content so don't ever be scared to send uh promo emails um you know send stuff to djs too that's a huge way people break through is just uh, one of your favorite djs plays your track in their mix or even plays it live like at a show um that's that's a great way that you can kind of like that for example one of my former students raw tech it's like a duo, EDM duo. They they were like nobodies, and then uh, they put out a track. They sent it to YourEDM.com or something. It got a premiere uh, because they had like a free slot, and and they liked the the song. And then Diplo heard it, and then he decided to get them to do a, a Diplo and Friends mix. And I think they even released something on like Mad Decent or Jeffries like that same year. So 
uh, don't be scared to to hit up your your favorite peeps and and like share the love a little bit. Like you know, they're not doing you any favors. If anything, you're doing them a favor. So don't be shy. And the last thing I'll say about that, it, uh, talking on uh, the point you made of, it, do you have to be in L.A. or do you have to be in New York or somewhere where it's cracking? I honestly don't think so. I think Dane said you could just you know, internet is massive for collaboration right now. But beyond that, I think that like. Any city you're in, there's going to be dudes that and, and girls that are doing the similar type of stuff that you're doing, too. So try to put a little community or collective together around where you live. I know you might not think that, but trust me from personal experience, like we went and toured. We played a, we did a show in um, Hawaii one time and we just decided to do a pass the ox in on one of the islands in Hawaii. And it was amazing. The community that came out to play their music. And what I realized was none of these producers even knew each other. And I could and now kinda, they do. Now <laughs> they do. I could see the like community forming. Like everyone was sharing their phone numbers with each other. Everyone was trying to get each other's information. And like I'm sure a lot of collaborations have been made because of that. And it was simply from us just putting on like a little event. So try to put your own event on or or do your own little thing to get a little community going together. You might not yeah. think that there's anybody around you, but like this is massive. Like it, music production is huge right now, and and like I think no matter what city you're in, there's gonna be people that are that are on it. Hell yeah, be a team player. Yeah, like comment on this podcast and be like, "Yo, I'm in Idaho. Who's else is here?" Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. If there's Yo, one other person who listened to this podcast. This is the bat then... signal. <laughs> this is the bat signal. Yeah. Drop your coordinates. <laughs> yeah. I would say like you could like I think moving to LA or moving to a big city is kind of like. It's not like necessary, but if you are seeing kind of like a progression, you feel like there's a there's a chance that being around stuff like this more often could help you, then it is helpful, you know? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. But I mean, I waited, I was like three albums deep before I moved to LA. Like mm -hmm. I was like pretty successful already. Like I would say, wait, just wait until mm -hmm. it feels right, you know? Because like, yeah. you can come here and blow all your money and it might take a long time to even have anyone know who you are. Yeah, like, it's not like everyone is here, like just working on music all day, all the time. Like even like all of us, like we have other jobs and gigs, like uh, people in Team Supreme, like, like, you know, it's, it's rough being a full, like a, a musician, yeah. you know, like you got to find other ways to like pay the bills. So it's like living in a city, like a, a bigger city, like LA, higher cost of living, like, it, it can be tough and like, you know, there's scary months where there's like not a lot going on and you'll be like doubting your whole like shit. So, <laughs> um, but it's true. The, the true thing is, it's like, you know, if you do live in a city that's more of a hub, you can really get that FaceTime with like the people that you're trying to connect with. If you live in LA, you can come out to Hypnothesis. Like, you know, if you come to Hypnothesis every month, like those boys are going to start to recognize you. Mm -hmm. If you pull up to Comfort Zone every month, Comfort Zone's a tiny party. <laughs> like we're dead. We're going to like gonna hang out. You. Like yeah. we're going to like drink together yeah. and like kick it. Like we're going to get to know each other. So there is that. Those are the the benefits. But, you know. But yeah, I would say just do that when it feels like. Yeah. yeah. Like you've got yeah. some <laughs> sort of like momentum or something where it feels like you're not just like started from scratch yeah yeah and this kind of like last thing on this topic but like this kind of ties in with with what we're we're talking about 
I truly believe that you don't ever have to feel like you need to go anywhere or buy anything to be successful. Mm -hmm. Like if you are in your own mind and think like, oh, I need to buy this MIDI controller so I can make dope beats or like I need to buy this plugin or I need to be in this city. Like you're just you're putting off the inevitable mm -hmm. because the inevitable is that no matter where you are and what gear you have, eventually you're going to have to sit down and make heat. And yeah. it doesn't matter yeah. what you have. You don't need to buy anything. You could have stock Ableton on like a nineteen ninety nine like Microsoft like Dell PC, <laughs> like and be making bangers. So, yeah. like, don't ever feel like you need to be anywhere or buy anything to be successful. That's total fallacy. that's a good place to wrap it up fucking thank you mike that was very helpful yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for the invite i'm down to come back i yeah. live in la i'm here <laughs> oh you do <laughs> tight well keep an eye out for the clinics everybody uh that's gonna be starting what'd you say february 10th february 10th sunday at the, dock. at the dock. At the dock. Uh, what's the website for that again the dock dot the dock la the dock dot la yep. cool yeah, go check that out. Um, hopefully, by the time this podcast comes out, you can go to that and click, you know, Should sign be a up. flyer and, yeah, full calendar set up yeah. so you could reserve a, a spot. For sure. But, yeah, like we said earlier, limited space. So make sure you get the, the space reserved yeah. quick because I think it might go fast. Yeah, we've already had a lot of people just from us, like, mentioning it on the first po podcast. Like, yo, when is this happening? So yeah. I have no idea how fast. I think it could sell out pretty quick. So just... If you guys are on top of this shit and you're listening to this podcast right now and you feel like you're definitely going to do that, then hop on it quick for sure. Uh, yeah, man. Stoked to hear what everyone brings. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Bring that heat. Yeah. Bring, bring that, that heat. heat. Bring it. If it's not tell, heat, don't bring it. Yeah. I always tell like students like when I was at Icon and shit, like the farther along you are, the more you'll benefit from like the teaching and stuff is because like you can, you can kind of skip the like, I mean, not that we won't be down for like really intro people but yeah all levels like, welcome if you're like gonna, sure. if you're gonna sign up for this class and come on february 10th and you're like pretty beginner status like take the whole month or two up until that like february 10th to get better you know like go watch mm -hmm. a bunch of youtube tutorials yeah, and just, just make beats try make to be a, make a cypher beat. try to like use that date as your like as your goal to be like i'm gonna i'm gonna have some tracks i'm gonna have a few beats ready to go you know? yep. yeah there will yep. be something for everyone that's why i'm so excited like, yeah okay, it's, it's gonna be dope all right guys cool that's it <laughs> thanks guys yeah. it's been real peace, peace.